Here we go, everybody. This is the Pardon My Jerk podcast. I'm here with Dunk and our special guest today. For those of you that were tired of listening to me talk for pretty much an hour straight last week, the legendary James Hobart was generous enough to donate his time to us today. Hi, James. Oh, man. That was a really nice thing you you to say. Uh, Dunk, thanks for having me, guys. (laughs) His favorite part of the podcast are his wonderful intros. So I I mean... (laughs) <laughs> legendary my my wife bought some skis yesterday they're called the lead Le- legends and i was like these are so cool that's a good name all right well <laughs> first of all this entire podcast is pretty much a vanity project to me so i do love my intros <laughs> but uh i mean i've got your games finishes right here in front of me james i i mean okay. there's not too many more decorated athletes at least on the team side than mr james hobart the second yeah, you even got the second in there. Yes, I mean, I just tell people I've just been around a long time, you know. Um, early adopter, had some really amazing mentors, and um, like a cockroach, they just couldn't kill me. I've just been around in CrossFit for, for a very long time, so I've uh, been very fortunate throughout that journey. Um, always humble. So today, so we were going to skip this week's jerk work, but actually, uh, in my perusal of social media, it appears that you and I had the same jerk work this week, same workout that I wanted to post about. And that workout, I believe, is called the 13. Do you want to walk us through that one, James? Yeah. So the, the 13s is a, a tribute work on internet. Um, but it was a hero work I created for the, the 13 soldiers uh, who were recently killed um, over in Afghanistan during all the evacuation efforts. And uh, I have a ton of friends who are in the military, probably like most of you do. And so um, my, my wife does as well. And we have two close friends specifically um, who served as Marines. So it was just important for us to do that. So we decided to just hack away at it in the garage and we shared a rower. It was 13 rounds, 26 calorie row, eight strict pull-ups and 21 shouldered overhead with um, 95 pounds, 65 pounds. So. We, uh, we spent uh, a little bit of time this weekend doing that. What was your time? Do you remember? I think it was around 52 minutes. 52? Yeah. The, uh, the worst part for you, me was that row. You, you can say you beat me. It won't hurt my... <laughs> uh, I didn't technically... I can't technically say that I <laughs> beat you. I can't say that I beat you. However, my, my, I did it with my wife. She was kind of slagging behind on the strict pull-ups and the rowing a bit. So I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to like change the music here, maybe get a drink there. I, I think I ended up doing about 55, 55. Nice. Yeah, yeah. we kind of, my wife and I, we shared a rower. Um, but, um, you know, just got out there and, and got it done, which was, which was really fun to just always kind of have that moment. Um, we like working out together, so. I'd have been slagging away on those strict pull-ups too, man. <laughs> That's fine. It wasn't the strict pull-up. The row just seemed like it was um, it was never ending. The strict pull-ups it's like, was the yeah, easier a, part of the workout. I'm what you would call larger but, athletes. So the strict pull-ups, they, uh, they're not the best for What me. we call in the business a rig <laughs> shaker. Yes. One of the, I'm good at that part. Yeah. yeah, that is not me, man. I'm, yeah, I'm like <laughs> just a little like I've been the same weight since I was 18. So Here we go. Start That's with it. the excuses, Dunk. Hey, You're man, an inch I, I gotta get him out there. I, yeah, I'm like 40 pounds heavier too, so it's fine. There you go. It's fine. So, <laughs> so anyway, the workout is the 13 is a uh, a, a memorial workout uh, to the soldiers that sacrificed their life in the evacuation 
of Afghanistan is 13 rounds, 26 calorie row, eight strict pull-ups, 21 shoulder to overhead at 95, 65, right? So did, did you do any strict presses? Did I do any strict press? Moving on. Silly. I did a couple, you know. I thought yeah, you gotta, get one, you gotta get one round in, you know? Yeah, maybe well, I thought it was... up. Um, yeah. But this, I, and one of the reasons I want to talk about too is perfect segue. Uh, James Hobart, if I'm not mistaken, you are uh, sort of running point with a couple other gentlemen on the CrossFit affiliate affiliate program, right? Is that correct? Yeah, CrossFit affiliate program programming, uh, which is we we call CAP is our little acronym for it. Um, and all so really, what happened? Just rewind the clock in a little context quickly is that um, Plan, which is an online programming platform, originally started by Austin Aliolo and Spencer Hendel, and then myself and another owner, Travis Turban, came on later. Four of us in Hamplan. We were acquired by CrossFit. Really, that conversation started in December, I think, here. A little bit before December, and then finalized in June. And so, in different roles making sure that uh, we make this thing ready to go affiliates and coaches so it's been a wild ride it's been kind of a it's been a dream come true in a lot of ways and um it's really exciting really exciting so um was this something that like you approached crossfit about or did crossfit approach ham and, and try and make a partnership work there yeah, it was kind of a little bit of both um you know, I think I was kind of shocked and I understand why, like, like having a little bit of insight into the company historically, I, I understood why it was something that CrossFit didn't offer earlier on in this way. I mean, CrossFit has always been excellent at offering, you know, a lot of different resources, coaching resources, affiliate resources, programming resources, excuse me, um, you know, open source on the internet. But um, I think we kind of reached I, ham plan might have reached out first or we kind of struck up the conversation sort of in jest at first okay you know just kind of like a how this would be a cool conversation to have it'd be a really neat idea but it'll never happen kind of thing and honestly slowly the, the as they sometimes tend to do the the ball got rolling and the conversations evolved pretty significantly and um, we had really developed as a business from the ham plan side what had started out and I don't want to say a side project because when we started Hamplin, that kind of makes it sound like it, it wasn't something we put, you know, our sweat and our effort into, which we certainly were doing. But at the time, you know, we all had other full-time jobs. Um, Travis was a full-time product designer for Whoop. Um, he graduated, you know, from MIT, moved to, you know, lived in Boston. He was a head coach at the, the my affiliate for a while before he went and took that role at Whoop. You know, Austin had been working on seminar staff for a long time. And then he stepped into the role of, I think it's director of North American, Latin American affiliate operations. Um, Spencer had owned an affiliate. He was coaching full-time in the affiliate. Spencer was going through EMT school. And then we were all working on hand plan at the same time. So it was definitely something, um, you know, it wasn't our like main course, but we put a lot of effort into it. And really when COVID hit, you're getting a lot right now, but you can just jump in if you're. No, please, but, please, let's go. Yeah, so it's great. When when um when COVID hit, 
I kind of had this, you know, we all had this moment, like a lot of people I think did in the fitness industry of like, well, you know, like fitness was cool. You know, I'll see you later. Yeah. See you down the path kind of thing. But we paused and asked each other, you know, what can we still offer affiliates and athletes as we go through this process? And that's when we launched our at-home product. And our at-home basically took the workout of the day from our affiliate. And then it made two options. It made a dumbbell and a jump rope option. And it made a bodyweight only option. And then it had a warm up and it had a video component that would talk about demo the movements and give some tips and tricks and stuff like that. And that went on to be really successful, both as programming for individuals, but as well as affiliates who were running classes during lockdown. And once that happened, I think we also took ourselves a little bit more seriously and really just kind of dove head first into this idea of, all right, well, what can we continue to provide affiliates in terms of, you know, kind of having, you know, having no stone left unturned when it comes to programming. That's really the viewpoint we started to take. And I take now with CAP is this idea of like, when people are like, oh, you're selling programming. I'm like, it's not just programming. <laughs> and it's not because I don't think programming uh, is important or valuable, but you know, our goal is to really offer a concierge service of programming where if you're an affiliate, you might, you know, we, are, we wanna offer every tool in the toolbox of programming services. You might use one, you might use 21, but you know, like my long-term idea is that as an affiliate owner, you want for nothing when it comes to programming resources, how to implement those resources and receiving coaching development through those resources. Because, you know, anyone who's run an affiliate understands that coaching development is really important <laughs> to the service you offer for, um, for all of your members. But if you run an affiliate and you own a small business, you also realize how limited your resources are to do stuff. And I always joke, you know, I've worked on level one and level two seminars for a while. And I've always joked, like, when you're an affiliate owner, you don't work out anymore. Mm -hmm. You don't coach. You just answer emails and you're changing toilet paper, right? Like <laughs> being in that small business grind, like that's it for a while until you kind of, you know, hack the code for your small business. So, um, I've always been really sensitive to that. You know, I know myself, uh, Travis and Austin and Spencer have been sensitive to that because we've all been in either the head coach role and affiliate or on an affiliate. So and Travis, I, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. Travis, no, that's uh, it. Travis Herbenek. So he joined out with Ham Plan, I want to say late. Let's see, it was after my wedding. So um, it was in 2019, end of 2019 or middle of 2019. And, um, He's an MIT grad. He, um, I met him. He was one of the coaches um, at one of our sister gyms, CrossFit One Nation, Needham and Waltham. And then he came over and was the head coach of CrossFit One Nation, Nation Boston, which is one of the affiliates that I owned um, up in the Boston area. Really talented uh, young man. Like I said, graduated from MIT, took a role as a product designer at Whoop, and really just had a lot of skills that we didn't have in terms of scaling and professionalizing a business. Mm. A lot of them tech skills, um, product design skills, you know, most of what looked organized and good and coherent on hand plan came from some idea or system that he implemented. And then he only improved those skills over, over at Whoop um, as they grew as a company. And, you know, he grew as a, a product designer. And then, so he, he also came over um to crossfit so well, it looks like james uh already answered the big question we had about cap for that uh, that you had dunk um it looks like the the focus really we we were really curious is the focus here on programming really for athletes um 
or is the, the focus here going to be more on developing affiliate owners, developing coaches? And obviously the answer is yes to both, but like, yeah. but like, it seems like there's a huge sort of impetus on like kind of the more above the treetops. We're going to develop the coaches. We're going to develop affiliate owners to develop athletes. We're going to, uh, what are they, we're going to yeah. develop le- level four leaders, right? We're going to build leaders to, that build leaders, right? Yeah, I mean, that is that is a huge goal. I'd still like to think it's pretty equally split, you know, um, you know, as the suits call it. It's a, it is a business to business product, you know, it's okay. Um, it's we're not offering individual programming. You know, that being said, one of the things I was most excited about coming over to CrossFit was tapping into a resource resource network um, of historically a lot of data driven programming information, you know, and the reason I say that is I want to be able to offer affiliates something that's not just based on my expertise or, you know, we're resourcing seminar staff coaches now to help add to the content and give insight into the programming um, as a lot, as well as the team from CrossFit who has worked on CrossFit.com, you know, we're resourcing all those people, but I want to be able to, you know, basically share with affiliates and athletes and affiliates, just a better understanding of what it really means to have data-driven programming. I don't just want it to be my expertise. I don't just want to be like, well, I ran an affiliate for, you know, five years and I coached an affiliate for, for 10 years and I've seen X, Y, and Z work. I think that's all great. I don't want to discount that, but now we have this opportunity to access, you know, feedback and information from hundreds, if not more affiliates all over the globe and share the best programming practices with as many as possible. And honestly, that's one of the things I'm most exciting, excited to do. So yeah, I guess it's a 50-50. I don't want to like discount the, you know, programming side of it. Uh, right, right, at right, all. right. At least not from, from my point of view. So what can we expect? Like, in, like what, uh, what can we expect that's going to be different between like the dot-com programming to cat programming, right? I think that's probably a question that's like on a lot of people's minds. You probably had it about a thousand times at this point, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's a really, that's a really good question. So one of the way we have been working this is myself and then the team that has typically and historically programmed.com, we sit down and we start by creating, you know, assessing what's happened in the past, talking about maybe some places we want to go in the future, what our focus is. We've, we've created a, some monthly focuses around the cat programming. So for example, yeah. And so the way, and this is something we started at ham plan and I would say it's a little bit, it's both, it's a little bit more broad in approach than it used to be. Um, For example, at ham plan, we used to take really narrow approaches with monthly focus, like, Hey, this month we're going to make your handstand better. We're going to start off with a little bit of a broader approach. And part of that is to tie back into, you know, our programming roots at CrossFit. You guys remember back to your level one, um, you remember the hierarchy? Um, Doug, has hierarchy no, Doug has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, yeah, haven't done the L one yet. Haven't done it. You haven't done it. No, he knows no, the hierarchy no. of the the development of an athlete. No, he knows that. Oh, good. Yeah. But anyway, the base of that is nutrition. So obviously, we're not doing a nutrition programming month because if I did that, no one would get fitter. Um, <laughs> but the, the, the step up from that is metabolic conditioning, then gymnastics, weightlifting, and throwing, and then sport. You know, in sport for us being testing benchmarks, um, retesting open workouts, things like that. So September's focus is metabolic conditioning. Uh, October's focus is going to be gymnastic strength and gymnastic skills. And then in November, we're going to focus on weightlifting. Now, what's cool is that this will still look like 
GPP programming, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like we're going to run a lifting cycle in November, but we are going to kind of, and I like food analogies, we're going we're gonna to add a little bit more spice of weightlifting in different parts of the class. Maybe it's the programming, maybe it's post-workout or pre-workout skill work, maybe it's in the warm-up, but we're going to do that. And on top of that, we're going to share with affiliates some metrics that can help them and their athletes just start to see like, hey, yeah, I got fitter this month overall, but I also really tuned up this specific skill set. So, yeah, James, I think that's I think that's fantastic because I have um, I have no shortage of my own criticisms for how a lot of affiliates <laughs> tend to program. And you don't have to say it. I'll just say it. Um, and I think that's fantastic that you're you're providing a true definition of a GPP program. But I think what's uh Maybe and maybe it's sort of the classic sort of CrossFit.com approach to the CrossFit methodology is, I think a lot of times with like what you see in like tr the truest sense of CrossFit methodology is like maybe sometimes people want a little bit more, right? And it's yeah. not at the, it doesn't always have to be at the expense of intensity, but there's a lot of people and like maybe let's just use the example of like um, handstand walking, right? There's a lot of people just with the way if, if handstand walking comes up in the programming once a month or twice a month, they're not going to get better at handstand walking. And I don't care if you're going to Gold's Gym, if you're going to a CrossFit affiliate, if you're working out in your basement, we all want to feel like we're getting better, right? Like we're, we're working towards that horizon. So I think that having focused programming is a great way to develop those sorts of things. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, that's not, you know, like no one pays an affiliate membership to, to suck you know, to suck worse tomorrow. Um, I'm totally on board with that. And that's definitely not lost um, on us. And I think one of the things, there's a couple of misconceptions, and this is definitely what I've learned in this role, is that you have to do a couple things well. One is that if you're offering somebody a service like programming and coaching development, um, this, and I don't, if this comes, I'll probably get clickbaited right here. If this comes across as me saying like, you got to dumb it down, that's not what I'm saying. But what you do have to do is because someone's paying for that service, um, or expecting a certain level of service, you have to make it as clear as possible what's happening. You know, like I used to write programming when I first started at Handplay and I wrote programming for affiliates. I was like, they're just going to trust me. I'm going to write whatever. And I don't have to explain it. They're just going to believe what I'm saying. And the longer I've done this, the more I've realized like you need to also share the same insight that you have. And that isn't necessarily because I think people need it. But I do think a lot of coaches want that and they want to be reassured with that stuff. And they like being in on the joke, right? They like seeing where is the picture, you know, where's the future headed? What else do we have in mind? So that's been a big thing that we've tried to focus on. And I think another thing that is, you know, worth saying here, because um, I'm obviously a big dot-com fan, right? Like I'm a little bit biased. So that's probably a disclaimer. You should just have flashing up throughout the podcast, James Hobart's bias towards CrossFit. Did you start? That be, I mean, I think you get it when you are listening to a CrossFit podcast, but <laughs> um, hey, man, is that where you got started was like the daily workout of the day on CrossFit.com? Or were you just were you like I was never a big dot com person. I, I've been going, like I said, since 2010, 2011. I was more like, this is cool. I'm going to try this and just write my own stuff a lot. Right. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm jealous of your, um, you know, that, that like adventure, uh, self-reliant nature. No, man, I was like a dot-com junkie. I was the guy refreshing the webpage, waiting for the work and the next day's workout to pop up. I mean, I learned for the better part of a year and a half when I started CrossFit, I think like a lot of people, um, maybe not so much now. A buddy of mine was, was coaching a group the other day and he made a joke about a VHS 
And he's like, none of the kids knew what a VHS was. They weren't <laughs> born when we had those, but it's like, you know, so when I first, I know I learned CrossFit from Adrian Bosman and, and Pat Barber and Greg Elmanson doing, you know, heavy Fran and Annie and Nicole, um, you know, so yeah. So yeah, I learned a lot. I learned a lot from .com. But um, yeah. Yeah, I was lucky. I was lucky enough to have this other this guy here to program everything for me, so I didn't didn't even have to think about any of it. <laughs> there was a long yeah, experimental the, phase. Yeah, yeah. We were I really discovering uh, ourselves through fitness. I was and definitely yeah. a, a guinea pig when it came to that. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of ones where yeah. I was like, I didn't think that was going to take an hour. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> or you're crawling, you're thought. crawling out of the gym, realizing that was that whole that whole time was just a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never you never do the math. And I think everybody goes to that too, you know, and, and I went through that. Um, but yeah, mostly, mostly, mostly main site when I started, but um, yeah, I think it's good for people to remember that, you know, there's a lot of extra stuff that goes into that class plan, you know, it's like, and when you say like, Hey, if handstand walks only programmed in a workout for intensity once a month, and I do that five times a year, I'm really not going to get significantly or maybe even noticeably better at handstand walks. And that's one of the things that, you know, we want to share that like, okay, we're going to take care of that stuff. You know, it's right. like, maybe you have a strict press one day, but we're going to have a warm up that's going to focus on shoulder warm up, but it's going to bolster those handstand walking skills. So that way, when handstand walk shows up at the end of the month, you're not totally screwed. So we're trying to bring that insight um, to coaches and, and to the programming. So yes, when you see a CrossFit.com main site, it means to be exactly what it is. I mean, it's, it doesn't mean like, just cause there's only a workout up there. It doesn't mean like, don't warm up, don't right. do some skill work. You know, you go back and read, you know, what is fitness and even in the early, what is fitness article, you know, one of Greg Glassman's first articles, he says, it's very likely that in a class time, we will do a general warm up, practice the gymnastics skill, lift a barbell, and then do a fast paced Metcon. And then he says, other times we'll do a circuit and other times maybe we'll just do a single Metcon. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do this. And we understand we're casting a broad net, you know, and I've been to affiliates where they program away and I'm like, I would never program that. And they got 250 members and everybody's happy and their coaches are well compensated. And then I've been to a gym that does it a thousand times different. And it's the same scenario, right? Like everyone's happy, good membership. So like I said, I think our goal is to just try and, you know, share our experience in terms of, Hey, here are all the tools. Your gym might do it differently, but you know, here are all the tools to implement those things and, and we want you to have them. So that's been my goal. And it's, it's probably a really uh, lofty goal. Um, Cause like you said, you know, <laughs> you have no, uh, no problem picking, picking bones with, with how other affiliates program, but you know, there are a lot of different ways to do it and do it successfully. So. You I think know, it's good. Oh, I think it, I think it's good because it's like, I've been to, I, I moved from the East coast to the, the Midwest now. And it's, I've been to a lot of different gyms where like, you meet a lot of coaches that just have, I mean, they've got their L1, but they don't have a clue or they just don't really know what they're doing. So like you walking them through each step so that they can better lead the class that they're teaching is that that's a great thing. Yeah. And James, you don't have to comment on this. I just, I think the term, the, uh, the, just the term GPP is, has been lost in a lot of CrossFit affiliates, right? Like I actually just said in the workout today, I said the most overused term in all of CrossFit is this is going to be a quick explosive burner. Right. Like, when, <laughs> like, in, like in Glassman's original stuff, he was like, keep, or in the hundred uh, fitness and hundred words or less, he was like, keep workouts short. Right. So now everybody's answer to that is we're going to program four different pieces in a one hour class. 
and they're all going to be short, but none of them are really particularly intense. And we're really not get, getting a general broad inclusive fitness where I can be explosive for three minutes and I can go long and hard for, you know, 50 minutes, right? Like what was it uh, in the 2015 or I think it was when they did Murph. Uh, I was like Sherwood or, or somebody was like, uh, can we really call you the fittest person on earth if you can't exercise hard in the heat for an hour? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. And your, your fitness should be inclusive of all that and, and everything in between. Right. And it's like, if we want to get you stronger, doing three sets of five on strict press is also not going to do that either or 10 minutes to establish a one rep max deadlift. Right. Yeah. So I, I think everything you're, you're talking about sounds great. No, I'm glad, I'm glad you do. Um, you know, it's been one of the coolest parts about this process. And, you know, this probably sounds political. As someone said to me, they said, you're really getting good at the political answer. Oh, let's do I, it. Let's go. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate that. But I also kind of hurt me a little bit because I, I want to be honest. But um, one of the coolest things about what we've been doing with CAP is we've been taking tons of feedback from, from everyone who's been on, um, who came off the wait list and now is doing the free trial till the end of the year. And, um, you do. I mean, you, you realize how easy it is to get caught up in your own, you know, confirmation bias. Um, you realize how many people do it differently. You see more into the commonalities, like a good one. You were saying like, Hey, you know, how do you make main site target what's going on in affiliate a little bit more effectively? And a really good one is giving affiliates partner options. And I've said this multiple times in multiple places, but it was like one of those things where it just, and it just never occurred to me. Um, and it probably never occurred to me because I'm pretty fortunate. I have a home gym and I get to work out with my friends or my wife pretty regularly. But when I'm in my affiliate, because I feel like I've already gotten my partner workouts in, like I'm not thinking about programming partner workouts for an affiliate. But then you remember like, oh yeah, James, you know, the weekends are international CrossFit partner workout days. Or for maybe a lot of gyms only have five echo bikes. <laughs> yep. Right. Stuff like that, like logistical considerations. And you know, this was one of those ones that hit me. We, um, we've put a lot, of, lot into trying to still help affiliates um, share pieces of equipment with their athletes that they might not have a lot of, like, uh, excuse me, like GHDs or even rowers um, and ropes. And so we put a lot into like logistics and just talking about how to tweak it. But then, you know, recently we had, we had a, a rope climb workout. We had a logistics section that gave different options of rope climbs. And I know this is really geeky and in the weeds, but it was like an aha moment. And then the, the specific warm up only included stuff for the rope climb. And someone wrote in, they were like, hey, love logistics options. This is really great, but we didn't know what to do during the specific warm because you only programmed something with a rope. And I was like, oh yeah, no shit. If they can't use it in the workout, they probably can't use it in the warm-up. Um, <laughs> and, and like I said, right? Like, I mean, there's that's one really small example, but you're really casting a broad net and you really start to understand um, what is it that you actually need to offer. Um, I, feel like, I feel like I'm yelling. I'm just excited. Sorry. Um, no, what wait. do you actually that's all, we, that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, man. I don't know. So that was just, that was one example. And there's been a lot of learning like that. And um, we're excited to keep having that feedback. I have pretty thick skin. So you're on tap and you're listening, you have feedback um, and it's pointed and actionable, you know, not just like James Hobart's voice is stupid though. I can take that too. Damn, um, I think that yeah, is a sure. perfect cap to put on that part of the conversation. Can we talk a awesome. little bit about- That was terrible. <laughs> can we talk like a little bit good, man. <laughs> about your experience in the 2021 CrossFit Games this year? Would you mind? Yeah, no, would I mind? No, I, I got all the time. I, I cut out the whole, I mean, as you can tell, I have a riveting social life. 
Um, <laughs> no, yeah, it was awesome. I mean, I'll talk a little less here, maybe, and just and, and leave some room for, for questions. <laughs> but uh, it was good, it was man. A long You're good. Road, we road brought to you get that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I, we're never bringing you back, though. <laughs> um, it was a long road to get there, but as I, I was talking to um, Justin Berg, um, who's the um, who's the manager, general manager of the, the games. Little name drop. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the only reason I say this because, like, you know, I just – I don't mean that as a name drop. <laughs> I've worked <laughs> with and around. <laughs> I know. But then I listen to myself say it. I'm like, oh, you sound like a real dick, man. Um, <laughs> but, but point being, you know – he asked me, he said, what were your thoughts on the games of the Masters? And I was like, you know what, man? I don't really have a single honest complaint. I have things that I would like, like selfishly like to be different. You know, I wish we did more pull-ups because I like pull-ups. But from my perspective and my past experience at the games, um, and in talking to the Masters community, they always say they have, they have lots to share. Um, but I had a great time. Masters was awesome. It was awesome. What are, uh, what are some of the differences between, like, like masters and individuals and team, like some of the things that go on behind the scenes, like are, are you guys treated differently or like you in different areas, locations? Uh, yeah. like what, what kind of goes on behind the scenes there? Um, no, that's a really good question. I will say this in, there's a lot more parity across the divisions now, I think than there has ever been. Um, and then one quick example is um, the way Noble showed up this year is that um, basically every athlete got the same, treatment the same get up all the gear which was really cool nice um you know you walk into the room and i know you, you probably saw some of this on instagram and then there was like a greeter there and they walked you over to your stall and they had every stall had a name placard on it and, you know there's got that too yeah and there's there's well oh, over cool. 300 age group and adaptive athletes um and they they shared that love with everybody which was very cool and that was funny i I haven't competed in a while. And my wife and I were locking out and I said, God, I said, like, I forgot how much gear they give you at the games. I was like, we got to come back. <laughs> um, it's, you know, it is, it's like, it's the coolest, you know, it's like Christmas and it's such a humbling, incredible process. So that was one way I've seen um, a lot of parody. Another way, and this is just kind of chatter, you know, I caught and just catching up with some, some friends who judged uh, um, or were involved in the organization, the games at the end of the weekend is that they've been working really hard to make sure that, all parts of the competition, individual team, um, adaptive um, age group athletes have a have a challenging competition appropriate, you know, for for their level. Um, and I think that's something that's definitely stepped in, in the right direction for masters. Um, I know that certain age groups in the masters um, didn't all do the same workouts, and there was certainly some feedback around that. And I think that's something that will continue to change. Um, and again, like I said, I'm biased, you know, there's a disclaimer I've been in and around the, the games part across it for a long time. And, um, they don't always react to feedback as quickly as everyone wants to in the community, but, you know, they have made the games from my perspective better every single year, um, in pretty much all aspects. So I think they'll keep heading, heading in that direction. I was really, you know, watching what went down with the adaptive athletes, just competing around them and talking to some of them it was a really cool thing to see at the game so um i'm excited to see what happens next year well the so beautiful thing with insight. crossfit uh over other sports right like i don't know if you're a fan of other sports or not james but um that's kind of how dunk and i got involved in starting this podcast is we wanted to kind of take a um an espn like first take get up sort of approach to a crossfit podcast cool. and um 
the thing about CrossFit, it's all quantitative, not qualitative, right? So maybe if, if they don't knee jerk react on things, uh, it's because Sherwood or Castro, they just need to gather more data points and watch how the sport evolves versus like on the, in the NFL say, we're like, oh yeah, you can challenge penalties now. We're like, we're watching and like, oh, this sucks. Like it's, it's purely a qualitative sort of approach to the sport, right? They've definitely been methodical with it, I think, um, you know, sometimes to the dismay, dismay of the community. But, um, you know, like I said, I've, I've been a fan of it. I was I was really impressed being a Masters. Like I, uh, I, I wanted I wish we did 10 events. We did nine events. And for some odd reason, that was just annoying to me. But that's not a real complaint. Right. Like that's not real criticism. Oh, 10 is a nicer number. <laughs> You know, I that's the only thing you got to complain about then i think that they did a pretty good job <laughs> yeah i think i think they gave the masters more opportunities to, to to work out in the coliseum which is you know that if you've ever been if you've ever had that friday night lights experience in your life you know the coliseum at the games the, the tennis stadium at the sub hub center was like having the friday night lights multiple times in the same weekend that's awesome um, which is a, yeah it's an amazing experience um, yeah. i forgot i forgot how much fun it was i i was telling my wife for the snatch event, I was like, because I hadn't lifted in a very long time. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to snatch. And um, I snatched like 15 pounds more than I expected to. And that was just because I got, she's like, what happened? I said, I got out there and I just forgot how fucking sorry, how fun it was to just. Let her rip, man. Let her rip. Are you going to have to delete the whole podcast? I did, man. I got out there and I grabbed that bar and I was like, and and the stadium wasn't even full, but it was like, you just forget what that is like, you know, like in your garage by yourself, everything feels heavy. And I got out there and I was like, oh my God, I feel amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which is really cool. Go ahead. Sorry. Was the, the interaction with the athletes different in the master's division as opposed to individual, as opposed to possibly team? In between events. Yes. Um, the masters is a lot more relaxed. I think there's, you know, I was on a master's podcast, um, it's called masters chatter a week ago, I guess. And we were joking and I was like, you know, it is more laid back. And they're like, yeah, because we all have full-time jobs and we don't have to depend on the games to make a living. And I was like, oh yeah, you're right. You know? So (laughs) it's, um, that part of like in between events, at least from my perspective, and I've never had a horrible time trying to get along with other people inside of CrossFit. But um, the master side, yeah, that was the best part was just the camaraderie and getting to know some of these guys and just hearing stories. And, and of all age divisions in the masters, that was way more relaxed. And they were all very, very generous. But I will say this, when when the buzzer went off, none of those guys wanted to lose. Oh, yeah. That's why people are like, oh, it's easier because it's masters. And I'm like, well, you're right. I don't train nearly as much as I used to. But when I went out there and the you know they hit the horn and it was time to three two one go everyone was still trying to beat you i mean that part is what made it hard yeah so yeah well that's crossfit right i mean there's not there's no easier or harder right i tell people all the time like with with you know i've been doing i'm like crossfit never gets easier you just get fitter like if anything certain workouts get harder the fitter you get you know but like that's the worst impression you get when you first start CrossFit because it's like you go and you're like, oh man, it's going to be easier in six months when I'm good at this stuff. And it's just, it's not that, it's not that feeling. You don't get, you don't ever make it there. Constantly very <laughs> dirty secret at a relatively high, inte- a relatively high intensity, right? Yeah. That's the important qualifier there. Yeah. It's that's why I always say to people, I'm like, you know, in this workout, someone next to you might do a hundred burpees and you might only do 20, but if you push it, 
given your level, I was like, you're, you're still feeling the same stuff. Oh yeah. Um, that's something I used to do when people would come in and they would free trial in the gym. I would ask them, you know, two questions. I'd say, Hey, are you comfortable with group classes? And if they would say yes, then I would kind of be their shadow. That'd be their workout caddy. Um, but if they'd say no, I'd be like, Hey, you know, talk to me about it. Why you're not comfortable with it. I'm like, well, I'm afraid what other people are going to think. Like, I'm not going to fit in. I'm going to be the least fit one there. And I said, I said, cool, let's just hang out and watch a class together. And, and I want you to watch. And at the end of it, they'd be like, everybody looks like they're out of shape, you know, like not physically <laughs> like everybody, but, but like in the middle of the workout, everybody looks the same. You know, it is true. You, when you stop in the middle of that mess and you look around and 95 pound barbell punishes everyone. So I, I'm on board with you guys on that. So you, you were talking about the camaraderie is a little bit more between events, right? Is that as opposed to when you were an individual? Did you see a little bit less of that? Was there a little bit more grading? Did people not get along quite as well? It's just tense. It's a little, there's a higher tension with individuals. Um, okay. And again, I think there's a million reasons for that. I think, you know, time effort spent throughout the year is higher. And that's not to discredit any of the, any, you know, any of the champs from the masters. They put in a lot of time and effort, no doubt. Um, but I imagine for some of those masters who, you know, hit top spot of the podium and they're running a business and they have four kids and they got another job and they have a, a spouse, you know, it's like, they're not doing the same level of input that, you know, Justin, you know, Madeira says, it's just yeah. like, yeah, it's no, not it's consuming their entire life. No. And so I but, think that that takes away some of the tension, but they're, and obviously all qualifi qualifiers apply here. They're all insanely impressive. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, like, um, and I hate that I lost to him because I'd hate losing, but, um, you know, I, I swung haymakers at him hard. Kyle Kaskabauer is going to be 40 next year, man. Like, and uh, I've talked about this before on podcasts. It's like, you look at some of the stats from these masters and it just, it gives you epic hope that getting old is going to be awesome. Um, Cause they're still putting up crazy numbers. And then on the other side too, is the teenage athletes, that one young lady, um, I think, I believe she trains with Jacob Hefner or he coaches her. She snatched 202 pounds. Which is wild. Cause that's almost as much as Jacob snatches. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, I mean, hey, right. he'll fight. He'll fight you now, man. <laughs> um, he'll fight you. Um, but yeah, I, just, I, had to throw, I had to throw that zinger in there. No, just, I like that. It spoke, yeah, it spoke to me. It would be a curse debtor. No, 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 don't back, don't back down from a take cheap shots where you can. Um, yeah, I mean, don't you got stuff like that is crazy. Now you're probably fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it'd be all right. Throw dukes with him. <laughs> but, um, you guys excited for that that fight? We're buying it. We're having a party at the house. It's not terribly expensive, which is really cool. I'm like um, twenty bucks. Actually, or something? I don't even think it's twenty yeah. bucks. I think it's ten bucks. Yeah, I think it is like ten dollars. I'm excited to watch it. But anyway, how, does the, how does the streaming on that work though? Because that's me and my wife were actually talking about this last night because we want to have people over for it. And is it like, do I go to like coresports.com and then I can like watch it on the laptop and HDMI into the TV? I think that's how you'd probably do it. Yeah. Either like okay. mirror it um, or HDMI it to, um, to the TV. Gotcha. Yeah. I, was, no, I was way, I was way more excited for that when uh, Eddie Hall was not injured. That was, that was kind of a bummer for me. Rumor is at some point in the future, they're still going to battle it out. I heard that that's too. The, I, I think they will. Look, man, it um, was a matter of Eddie Hall getting beef injured. There. It was a matter of Eddie Hall getting injured before the fight or Eddie Hall getting injured during the fight. He just got it out Are of the you, way beforehand. I, I you was, don't think he's gonna win, huh? I was Eddie Hall. I was on Eddie Hall's side. No. I I'm I think 
Thor is the most imposing human being alive on planet Earth today. And that dude, so he's trimmed off over 100 pounds, and he's still the biggest person. Like, he's lost 100 pounds, and he's still immensely larger than Eddie Hall. Yeah, he's jacked. And like and like that stuff makes it reach he's got what five inches on hall six he's six nine yeah you know i don't I mean? know like that matters extra reach but yeah he is he is bigger so hey i think we will find out which is really exciting just, oh Thor eddie is hall just, is not gonna let that paycheck walk out the back door oh, man no, God, they're no. still gonna fight that dude loves money <laughs> yeah and i guess they i guess the two of them really don't like each other like sometimes you see that stuff and it's like oh these guys are just they probably don't like love each other but they're just promoting a fight Mm-hmm. But I don't think these guys actually like each other. But that's Eddie the, Hall's Eddie Hall's best videos on YouTube are him trash talking Thor. Like <laughs> it's, it's great. <laughs> the, it, this is an interesting precedent that's being set, right? Like on one hand, I don't like this whole celebrity boxing trend. Okay, I'll be honest with you. I I don't think how I don't like what it's doing for the sport in a lot of ways. Now I I I know that Jacob and Josh are really respecting the sport. They're really training for it. They're really putting in their time. So it's not a slight to them. Um, but on the same token, it's going to be really interesting with the sort of precedent that's going to set. Are, are we going to see more athletes fighting each other? Are we going to see more fitness athletes fighting each other? Right. Is, is Neil Maddox going to decide that he wants to fight uh, Dan Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> Just from that one time, Bailey really pissed him off. You know? <laughs> We're going to get it out of him. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I trial by combat gets everyone fired up, but I do. I do get the sort of like. Um, I totally understand kind of the. Um, I don't know. You're not paying homage to the sport in that way of boxing or the history of fighting, in some ways, just by kind of like turning it into only a. And I, I hear what you're I, saying. I think boxing at is the welcoming. Same time, I think boxing is welcoming the the promotion that all the because this is the most any most people have talked about boxing in since Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather had their first fight. I got you, man. But to a degree, doesn't it kind of feel like it'd be like, hey, guys, what if we made an entire NBA team out of the guys from the Avengers movie? And then we'll put them in the – like, you know what I mean? Like, these guys are getting real paydays, like, real – like, it's something – it just feels a little commercial. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of just, like, I, see I see what you're saying there. There are guys who have been training, fighting, boxing their whole life and won't get the payday that some of the celebrity athletes will get. Yeah, they're exactly. Celebrities. I get that. I get that. I'm sure exactly. the athletes are not happy with all this, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Imagine if you've been, imagine if you've been like hitting this like shithole, like boxing gym since you were like a little kid in the inner city. And all of a sudden you see Logan Paul getting a billion dollars to fight somebody like, or I don't even know which one's which anymore. I can't keep track of it. It's not worth it's not worth keeping track, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, that's so. good. That's good insight. I can vibe with that. There's some respect there. I get that. Yeah. So let's be like I digress. If Kim Kardashian showed up to the games and wanted to compete, and they just gave her like a million dollars. Oh, didn't Cro- didn't CrossFit kind of do this a couple of years ago where they had like the they gave the celebrity invites or what? They did celebrity. do it. They, to, so I to was, hunt, to hunt go ahead. Yeah, they did do a celebrity invite. So, who, who was it again? It was Hunter McIntyre uh, and Ben Smith. Well, yeah, Ben Smith. They did a what, wild card, wild horse. Wild card. Wild card. I'm so – and please, James, interrupt me and tell me your opinion on this. I am so immensely in favor of that because the whole point of the CrossFit Games early on, besides being like the, the fitness Woodstock, right, is what Glassman like to call it or whatever, was like proof of concept, right? Like it's supposed to be proof of concept. This is a competition to find the fittest human being on earth. 
And we believe that CrossFit is the methodology that will allow you to achieve the title of fittest human being on earth. Am I wrong there? Yeah, no, no. I, I think that's, I think that's spot on. I think so as I, long as it doesn't turn into like a sideshow, you know, if like every once in a while, some guy stood up and he's like, Hey, I've been a decathlete my whole life and I've been training some CrossFit this year and I will win at the games. And he's, you know, five times decathlon gold medal, gold medalist. And like, okay, well, let's, let's see what this guy can do. Um, yeah. I think it turns into a sideshow when it's just say it was me, right? If I just start my social media campaign, a YouTube campaign, I'm just like, hey, I've been doing CrossFit for 10 years. I'm really good at it. I deserve a shot. And I just like macho man Randy Savage my way into the games, which is, I guess, kind of what Hunter McIntyre did. But I like it because it's like, say, uh, say Adrian Peterson just started saying, I'm the fittest person on earth. Okay, come and prove it, man. Because I think the games this year, I think as much, probably more than any other year ever was validation that like your average really really fucking fit person could not do this yes more yeah. than i think any other crossfit games ever why do, why do you say that's an interesting insight why, why do you say that so i i thought that's one of the things when we were sort of dissecting the games at the after everything was over i said that the beautiful thing about this games is like you have to be training everything at a high level because what we saw here is we saw people doing deadlift high rep deadlifts at 405 pounds and then doing freestanding handstand pushups in the same workout, right? Most people can do one, but not both, right? We saw a, uh, the handstand, uh, handstand walk one's probably not a good, good, uh, good example of it. I'm trying to think of what some of the other workouts. We the, saw. the running and the clean ladder. It, yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. it was conditioning and strength all in one of like some heavy, 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 like those cleans got heavy. Yes. Pretty, yeah, pretty like gross. If you're, deadlift, if you're deadlifting any of those, like you, you'll never have an issue with chronic disease. You know what I mean? It's like, uh, that, yeah, that was real. You know, what's interesting too. I think about the, the handstand, freestanding handstand. I wish they pulled the athletes after is I don't think a lot of those guys are training that movement regularly. And uh, like, I mean, like, I don't, maybe like a quarter of them, like, <laughs> like that's just something that they enjoy doing on their own or they're like, Oh, let's, let's be forward thinking. And yeah, well, eventually this is going to show up. Yeah. I was like minutely obsessed with them for a short period. So I kind of have them, you know, but yeah, I think, I think you're very right about that, James. I was impressed with how well, like everybody was at them. Like, like for something that just has never, we've never done before. Everybody was pretty decent at them for the most part. That was very impressive. No, what, what did Sean Woodland say once? He said, um, you don't know how good you have to be to suck at the CrossFit games. You know, yeah, like yeah. that's the thing you forget, you know, and I thought it was cool. Um, the games like a virtual competition this year and it wasn't the same exact fence, but there were some similar events. The game team put that on and it is crazy. Like you're like, you, you go out there and maybe you could finish top 20 in one of those events, but it's the fact that like, Oh, there's another event. And then there's another event and there's another event. It's like, yeah, all the other events you would have finished so painfully dead last um it's it's wild how fit they are like i said across all age ranges um like you know like mal o'brien you know I, I talked a lot of smack early in the season i was chatting with some people about it i was like i just i think she's super fit i don't think she'll do great at the games man and she just went out there and she just was poised and um as well as was um, jason hopper when you were talking about that yeah I, for the exact I, reason i know what why i know your justification of why you did yeah. not believe o'brien was going to do well she does. She's 
sort of you you I I'm putting words in your mouth, but I feel like you felt she was built for being a great CrossFitter, whereas the CrossFit Games is going to test multiple modalities in ways that you aren't normally training in the gym, and that matters, right? Yeah, yes and no. Yes and no. I think part of okay. it too is just it's the it's the games. The lights are on brighter. You know, it's like the the rhythm of the event is faster, and it's I think sometimes yeah, rookie being as yeah. being new at the games is really challenging. Um, just because for all those reasons and. And a lot of the, even, even Hopper, like I know because Hopper just had so much hype behind him. Um, and Hopper I, had so much hype and he's got like a pretty like intense personality. So it was when just did he like, finish, like 19th. Yeah, it was around there. Yeah, I think it was 19th. So I think you're right. I mean, he's still top 20 against a field that was like, you know, looking at how fit Justin was. Like that field was not on fit, you know? So right. yeah, I get it. Like Hopper didn't maybe live up to the hype built around him, but I think, you know, something everyone should remember is one, if he sticks to it, you know, get somebody in his corner to train him. I don't think the guy's going anywhere. So um, I think a guy like Hopper, I don't think he, I don't think he fell short of expectations or exceeded expectations. I think Hopper did really good at what we know Hopper is good at. Right. So like, um, I've used this quote on the, I've said this many times on the podcast before, but and I stole this from, from James Fitzgerald, but basically if the, the CrossFit games are trying to find the world's greatest hockey player at one stage, we're, we're using roller hockey. The next stage we're using uh, field hockey. And then the final stage is ice, ice hockey. Right. Yeah. So I think what we found out is that James, Jason Hopper is an amazing roller hockey player. He's an amazing field hockey player, but then as soon as you put him on ice, he's still good, but he's not as good as, 18 other guys does, does that make sense like is that a critique no, no, that, necessarily he uses as a critique of the test i think you just got to do the best with what you have no I, I don't think it's a critique at all you know i was talking to um i was lucky enough to chat with uh, colton mertens and a lot of people were surprised with his performance at the semifinal at the granite games and then you know they were like well we didn't expect him to do very well at the games and it was cool talking to him with his perspective he said hey i've always struggled to get to the games because of X, Y, and Z. And he's like, I've nurtured a couple of these weaknesses I have to the point of almost making them specialties. And he's like, now I can start spending my time, you know, kind of understand now that I understand what I need to do in my training. Now I can understand at the games is going to test, like you said, games is going to test ice hockey. It's not going to test roller hockey. So I need to work on those ice hockey skills. And I do think that's a really good insight. And Dave has never been shy about this. You know, he's, he's, the games is varied but there's some stuff you know you're going to see. You're going to swim. You're going to do a long hour event. You're going to do a lot of monostructural. Like that happens every game. Whether it's combined with different stuff, you don't know. But you're going to do a lot of monostructural events. And um, I think once you get to the games, it's I don't want to say it's easier to get back, but you understand how to recreate the recipe better than before. Um, and then because you know that some of those elements are going to show up at the games. It's easier for you to train, not easier. Um, it's more predictable to train for those things. So I'm, I'm curious to see like, you know, if a guy like Hopper gets a coach and, you know, maintains those skills that he has, like you said, like, I, I do think that's spot on. Can he really up that, up that ante at the games? Cause physically, you know, he's not a bad athlete. No, absolutely not. And it's like, yeah, it's as a, I feel, I truly do feel bad for these rookies because you have to spend five years getting really good at wall balls, burpees, pull-ups, thrusters, light snatches, heavy snatch, like that type of stuff. And go ahead and cut that in like a quarter as to what you're actually going to see at the games. We're never going to see kayaking in the CrossFit Open. 
but you got to get really yeah. good at the CrossFit Open, right? Before you're going to get to the that next level, you know. And it's the the semis are almost, with the exception of the West Coast class. The West Coast classes are awesome, but the semis were, are almost just a stepped up version of what we see in the Open, right? And I'm, it's obviously not totally the same thing, but it's still a lot of wall balls, ring muscle ups, heavy snatches, a one rep max, that kind of stuff. So you guys, you got, I won't speak for Duncan. He probably disagrees with you, rightfully so. Um, no, I'm saying, <laughs> so you guys, you guys probably think you would agree. Maybe like semi should be kind of standardized. Like, do you think they should all be the same? Oh or? yes. yes. This is a, I'm yes. so glad you asked this. Oh man. You answer. Hell yeah, man. Uh, if, we're, <laughs> if, we're, if we're all going to the same tournament, then everybody needs to do the same thing. I know it's not as entertaining to watch. Like we all don't want to watch the same thing over and over again, six, seven, however many semifinals there are. But if we're uh, testing people, to go to one event, then they all should do the same test. I yeah, man. I had remember that year the nasty Nate or whatever it was, regionals Nate, kettlebell snatch. That workout was 20 minute time caps, strict muscle up. And it was at every regional and and it went through four heats at every regional. And I remember watching those four announcers. By like the last heat, they're like, all right, who cares? No, they did an amazing right. job. But yeah, like you said, like that's it is it is a lot on that end of like, oh, we're gonna watch another heat of Nate where only six people get a strict muscle up. But um yeah, I like the standardized too for just the reason of like um I think it just gives you more opportunity to compare everybody, which I I like just more data, which is cool. Well, we yeah, we, we did think- a podcast earlier where like we talked about we did not think that the granite games offered the same level of a test as the west coast classic did and it was just yeah, a lot of like, said that. yeah it was just like this just wasn't wasn't where it needed to be for these athletes to qualify for the crossfit games and i'm not saying that the same athletes wouldn't have qualified but it just didn't it didn't meet the eye test for me as just a, a casual fan you know so i i'm vehemently in favor of changing the programming ac- across the board but just talking out of the other side of my mouth, there's two reasons I think that if I were to support it being standardized, one is if you're going to do a last chance qualifier, it's only fair if you're going to do that qualifier that everybody has to do the same tests. Like, because if you're going to give everybody a last chance, everybody should have to have taken the same test to get into that last chance. Otherwise, it yeah. just gets too muddy. Two, we ended up getting proof of concept as to why it should be standardized. And that proof of concept's name is Christiaram O'Connell who is an unbelievable athlete, top 10 level athlete, if not possibly a top five athlete who almost didn't even get into the games because she took an invalid test. Yeah. I think a better proof of concept would be just, you know, systematically looking at if you have, you know, a couple of years of different semifinals events, how are those athletes performing at the games? I will agree. I think Christy's extremely fit, awesome athlete, but you also like, maybe she just had an off weekend. I do think it's hard to account for those things. Like maybe she was, I agree. Like, I think she was an athlete. I hate saying this. I think she was an athlete who belonged at the games. <laughs> oh, talk about talking out the other side of your mouth. I, <laughs> I know. Say she deserved to be there too. <laughs> I know, right? But that's that's why I think, you know, uh, you would have to look at an average or some statistics across this, you know, long period of time of, hey, we've done different semifinals for the last 10 years and then this is how those athletes shake out at the games. And if you see, you know, the same semifinals with athletes at the bottom or the top, you know, then you could start making some questions, but I don't, the, the last chance qualifier, I think is great. Right. Cause like you said, you had proof of, you think you had proof of concept that what I liked about it is like, you just could have an athlete who is very fit, um, but just blows it one weekend. 
you know, whenever sick, um, gets COVID, you know, like, look at that mess. Um, so no, I, lot to say I, just, I don't, I don't disagree on, on, on making them the same. I agree. I agree with that. I think they should be different just because I think it's a sport and I think the sport is more entertaining when it's, I think it's just yeah, a sport's more entertaining that way. Like it's a, it's a tough one to walk. Regionals was a cool linear process, right? It was standardized. It was universal. It was very easy to understand. But I think this, I, I think this semifinal format is beautiful and eloquent. Let's put the, like, like, like let's put the, the sport up on a pedestal. Let's make it as entertaining as possible and, and easy to sort of approach, right? Like in, if we're looking at the analogs of other sports, like golf is played on different courses every week, right? And that makes the yeah. sport, you know, we wouldn't want to play every golf tournament on the same course. Yeah, but the golfers are playing. I don't know. I don't know how you weekend. could make golf more boring, but I guess, I guess. Yeah, that <laughs> oh, that's, um, a hot, that's a hot take. Yeah. I, I don't mean that because <laughs> I know nothing about golf and, um, you know, it's, I suck at it, so I can't really say it. But um, yeah, no, I, I don't. I like. I would like to see them the same. But I like your your take on that. It is more exciting um, for for spectators and, and fans of the sport. So you know, as long as we're talking about the. Go ahead, Dunk. Sorry. It'd be interesting to like throw all the guys that program these events in just the same room and then find a way just to to tweak each event to make it a little bit different, but basically the same. So right, you're yeah. watching the same thing each time, but you're getting a different product. Yeah, like, hey, you have to have a 20-minute test. You got to have a 10-minute test. You got to have a 30-minute test. You got to do one odd implement test. You got to do one heavy lift. You need to check all Um, the boxes. Yeah. I think that's kind of what we expected. And I I have a feeling we can expect that a little bit more in the future. Because Castro spoke about this publicly. Like, we want all the tests to be similar. And, like, you need to have a a three-minute or less couplet. You need to have a a 10-minute or less triplet. Right. And we saw some of that, but in the whole online thing kind of threw a wrench in all of it too. Right. So like, I think we're going to see that improve. Yeah. I think you might see some changes there. There's been a lot going on. Like, and like, there's been so much change in the last two years. Like it's, it's tough to say that what we're seeing now isn't going to be completely different two to three years from now. You know, there's still, I feel like we're still getting a, getting a, a grasp on how to do these semifinals. Yeah, no, I think that's really, yeah, that's a good point. Especially because, like you said, with the uh, what was the Atlas games, just all the different. Some of them had to be online. Yeah, yeah. I think you'll see it change a lot. So, slight pivot, um, James. But you, it's so funny. You've already brought you brought up a couple topics that we've actually like crossed that bridge on this podcast before and litigated to death. One of the ones uh, Dunk brought this up, and I'd be mad if I didn't bring this up. Um, do you think CrossFit would be good as a high school sport, as an amateur sport for like within schools competing against schools? So the only reason I, I, I thought about this question is because I, I read an article where it mentioned that you were a multi-sport athlete growing up. So I'm on the fence. I'm on the side of I like I, I, have a, I just had a child. I would like him to get in, do as many sports as he can, become figure out what he likes. And then, if, and then afterwards if weightlifting and CrossFit is something that he would enjoy, then get into it then. But I don't know, I'm, I'm more of a, a team sport type of person and just kind of just putting your feet in each basket. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, I, you know, CrossFit as a high school sport. Duncan, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I like that. I think it'd be a better training methodology in high schools than it would be a sport. Um, and the reason I say that something that should be I long think, in like a PE class. 
Yeah. And the reason I say that is I think they're for someone who's a, a teenager, I think there would be far more for them to gain from using it as it was originally built to be as a training methodology. Um, I think they have far more to gain from just using it in that way than totally turning it to its competitive aspect. I just think they, at that point in their life, like you said, how it contributes to others, you know, other sporting areas. Um, I don't know, just like the physical discipline you learn from it. Um, the, the quality of movement that you learn from it. And I think um, if you could create a huge foundation of that by using it as a training program, instead of I'm going to win this sport at all costs, I think it'd be far more beneficial to, to a high school student long-term than it would be if they were like, I'm only going to do this as the, as the sport. And the reason I say that is it's not that they couldn't still go through all those steps, but it's easy when you're a high school student. I mean, you'd have to start them really young. Like you wouldn't just be like, let's introduce it at high school. Right. Cause it's like, you don't just start playing football in high school. You've probably right. played, some people do, but most people have probably played football for a very long time. So they've learned, they've gone through the mechanics, consistency, intensity piece of football with, you know, same thing with all sports, baseball, whatever. Um, and I, I don't think it would be good to just like dump that on them in high school if they haven't had that exposure to that kind of training, possibly varying functional movements, you know, see a relative high intensity. So that's my two takes on it. And like I said, I just think the benefits for them, I'll keep saying that, I sound like a broken record, the benefits for them just treating as a training protocol, I think would far outweigh um, competing in it at that age. Yeah. That's interesting. I don't think we brought, we brought that up when we did our, our podcast on it, Dunk, where like sort of the, the age at which they're exposed to it, right? Like, yeah, like are, we, are we throwing a 95 pound barbell on the hands of a, of a 14 or 15 year old and saying, have at it. Right. When maybe they, they don't have the, the correct foundation laid of doing thrusters with a, with a broomstick beforehand. Right. And we're, I don't know if I'd necessarily be worried about the, the weight, but like, if you're going to get into competitive CrossFit at that age, you got to worry about like, like burnout. Cause you know, we know what it takes to be good at all of these things. It takes time and it takes a lot of effort. Yeah. So. I, I, we don't need to go, we don't need to dive into it too much because we've already litigated it to death. But I was, I was, when you brought that question up, Dunk, I, I was like, intent i wanted to hear james's sort of perspective on that because no I, yeah that's a really that's a that's a really interesting one and i've come across enough young young athletes who i think i'm just like man if i if i had crossfit just the way it would lend itself to being a multi-sport athlete like i just think that part of it's fantastic yeah you know right. and not not to mention like if you're in a good healthy crossfit community um the benefits of that as a as a young athlete you know young young child i think it's probably immense you know, as, as a teenager um, or whatever. I yeah. so, so I guess we'll just sort of build on that, right? So Dunk mentioned you were a multi-sport athlete. Like what, what sort of sports did you come up in and how did that lead yeah. you to CrossFit? I mean, you're still pretty young. You must've found it pretty young in life. That's nice of you to say. Yeah, so I, I stumbled on CrossFit in 2007. So at that time, how many years ago was that? 14 years ago? So I was 21. 2021 is when I found 20, 21 years old, I found CrossFit, right? So a lot older than most young athletes are finding it now. Yeah. Um, Which is insane to me. Crazy. It's insane. It's in, and that's why you're seeing them do all the crazy stuff they do. I think it's, it's funny every time someone's like, no, you CrossFitter shouldn't do this. And then you see, you know, human beings can't do that. And then they just totally just, you know, break the mold on it. Um, mm -hmm. My three sports. I was, I was a, average athlete i was not very good i played soccer i played lacrosse and then i skied competitively in high school but i've always just been active and been outside i love team sports 
Um, I love competitive sports. So those are the, those are, those are the ones that I got involved in. I just was never terribly good at them. And that's one of the reasons I fell in love so much with CrossFit because it made, you know, I finished high school and I could play intramural, whatever, whatever. But, um, you know, I was missing that competitive atmosphere yeah. and, and CrossFit brought a lot of that back for me, especially in the community side of it. I really enjoyed so did you have like the normal, like I have a buddy that knew about CrossFit. He took me to the gym with him one day and we did Fran and it buried me story. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah. Buddy of mine, we were training together. We were really into the whole kettlebell thing. If you remember Pavel Sutsalini had a book, um, Power to the People or something like that. Uh, we really what is it? I, I read, I read the book and that was actually my, the, he had another CrossFit one too. Same, same exact story. Like, the Naked Warrior or something like that. But anyway, my buddy Mike found CrossFit, just the website. And he's like, Hey, I think we should try this. And, um, you know, we started, you know, not really getting it, but watching all the videos and just kind of learning as we went. It's interesting <laughs> that we were introduced to CrossFit by one of CrossFit's biggest critics. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Um, that too. And, and, um, the other, the other website we got, we found a lot of CrossFit resources through was, um, Mark Twight's website at the time, Jim Jones, uh, cause he trained all the guys supposedly for the 300 movie. Remember the Spartan movie? Oh yeah. yeah we done that workout many times. I remember <laughs> that. I, I did that. I did that workout every, you know, every week for a year. Yep. I was, yep. So we did like it too, man. Spartans. <laughs> and I still don't Everyone look like anyone in that movie. I look like Gerard Butler, right? Yeah. 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 I still oh, don't man. look like anyone in that movie. I've been doing CrossFit for, for, you know, um, a while. But yeah, the crazy thing with that workout was it was 50 pull-ups before any of us knew how to do kipping or butterfly, right? So we're doing 50 strict pull-ups, but then it was 50 kettlebell clean to press with a 35 pound kettlebell. Yeah. <laughs> and you were just slamming that thing. <laughs> Left with some I great the, bruises on your arms. Yep. yep. I remember <laughs> the first time I did grace um, and I didn't do the jerk part of it because I didn't know what a jerk was. Oh, strict press. I did it with, Back I did it with 135. Yeah. I wasn't getting it overhead. Um, <laughs> I did it with 135. And I, I vividly remember standing in front of the clock and doing every clean and landing in starfish position. And then like taking my time down of just the cleans. And I remember going on the website and looking at whatever the time was. And I was like, Oh yeah, yeah. I could beat that. I could, I could have beat that if I did the jerks and I was nowhere, you know, close to it, but uh, it's just, a, it's a fun memory. Like remembering stuff like that. We actually got, so we actually got our start doing, I started my college weight room, but then I, we graduated and uh, Duncan and I trained together in a Gold's gym. Yeah, I was introduced much later to this. I was introduced nope. a little bit later and while, and Kyle had already found all the workouts that he wanted to put me through misery in. Oh man, we were, we did every, so that was right when comp train launched and, you know, we're doing all the, we're doing all the comp train stuff and that was, but that wasn't enough volume. We also need to do some gymnastics. Do more. And lift some more weights, and oh, yeah, we went to the games probably five times. It worked. <laughs> someone, someone came up to me once when this was when I was training down with with Mayhem, and it was when Rich had just launched his train. You know, what's Rich doing or train? train yeah, what's Rich doing programming? Someone said, "How do you guys do all the stuff you do in an hour?" <laughs> and I was like, "I was like, are you having a go at me right now?" Like, <laughs> you know, like. What do you mean? He's like, yeah, how do you get all that done in an hour? It's really hard to do in an hour. I said, man, if you do all that in the hour and you can do that for the year, I said, you're going to win the games. Um, <laughs> he's like, what do you mean? I was like, we take all day to do that shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, it's funny. Is, is, is Rich the best training partner you ever had? Does anybody rival him? Is he the worst training partner you ever had? <laughs> Who's up there? I've actually, I've actually never thought. 
No, no, that's a good question because no one's ever asked me that. I've never thought about who the best training partner was. Rob? I don't know if I can answer the best question. Um, who did you get the fittest wait, with? Definitely with, the, definitely with the Mayhem crew. Um, but, you know, and a lot of that was rich. But also everyone down there is just fit. Like, it yeah. was like, you know, it was like the – the lost boys you know i owned to just fit maniacs and even the ladies too <laughs> but so you, tried, the you trained with everybody through years man because you were with cfne right you like you obviously with mayhem you were an individual right like you moved all yeah. over the place i get around man um but i think you know the best training partner is somebody who will beat you more than half the time you don't like losing to them but you're happy to keep doing it. You know, like whoever that person is, like if you hate losing to somebody and you hate them, it's probably not going to be not like a work. long, fruitful training right. career. And if you win every workout, what's that quote? You know, like if you win every workout, like if you keep fighting chumps, one day you're going to wake up and be a chump. You know, it's like if you win every single workout with your training partner, you either got to tweak the workouts, um, you know, do them differently or find a new training partner. So I mean, that was that was one of the, the upsides down there. But yeah, I don't, I've never really thought about that. I have to like really sit down and think about what would make the best training partner. Hmm. Well, next time you come hey. on, you can tell us all about yeah. it. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. No, may mayhem was fun because in that point of our training careers, we all ate like, you know, eight-year-olds. So <laughs> I remember watching some of the I remember watching some of the old videos of you like Rich and Darren and those guys just eating cheeseburgers while they're working out and yep. all this crazy. I'm sitting there, I'm like, God. The I'm, best, the best one is remember that James. You remember that man. old uh, number one, number two doc that they, that Sevon did on uh, Rich and Graham after the 2010 games. No, I don't remember that. Oh, you don't remember? Well, uh, those are it was nerd, great. It was when nerd. back when Rich was at Tennessee Tech, and he uh, they're in, he's in between peanut butter thing. Yeah, yeah. When he had the peanut yeah. butter jelly mixed together and he's eating it with milk. <laughs> yeah. So and then everybody so, did that in the CrossFit community. That was you're you, looking man. at one of them right here, buddy. <laughs> yeah, I, can parents, tell. I, I live with my parents, and they they open up the fridge like, "What the fuck is this?" <laughs> you put you put the headband on, you put the Oakleys on, and you started eating the peanut butter and jelly. Um, <laughs> what's funny though? Yeah, right. What's funny though? That's what I said to you. The the only bad thing about Justin Medeiros winning, that's not bad. I I, I mean, oh, I poke fun. Is that every CrossFit dude's gonna have a mullet? Um, <laughs> we were talking about know, it. How, we were talking about it. he's not allowed to shave that mullet anymore. Like it, it's, it's it's what the persona. beard is for James Harden. It's, he's got to keep it for the rest of his career. <laughs> That's good. He, he seems to really love it. I, I bet he will. But just quickly on the nutrition, I do always wonder if I had ate a little bit better, if it would have helped, you know, make me a little bit fitter. But well, what's the thing? Because I said the same thing with Snickers bars, right? Uh, Fraser goes on <laughs> on Joe Rogan and says, "Yeah, I was eating." just eating Snickers bars all the time. Like, and we had a competition that we were in together probably a week or two after that. And I was like, how many dudes do you think are going to be there eating fucking Snickers bars? Yeah. You know, and that's, there's, yeah, that's a good reason of like why I think just doing the methodology would be better for a high school kid. Right. Cause, and not, I'm not blaming athletes cause I've said my fair share of stupid stuff. Um, probably got some, some of that out on this podcast, but, um, <laughs> You know, it's like, yeah, you hear athletes say one snippet of a thing, and you're like, I'm going to do that all the time. That's, if that's what he does, I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. You're, and oh, you're yeah. stuck on that for a month, two months. 
Yeah. Like, oh, wait, no, this is actually a terrible idea. <laughs> um, oh, I'm lactose intolerant. Why am I drinking a gallon of milk a week? You know? <laughs> a day oh, or whatever. While we're talking about the old the, the old school stuff, uh, what, what the, so you were, your first games was in 2009, right? Uh, yeah. Could you, yeah. could you tell us a little bit about that experience? And then could you talk to us a little bit about how that changed from 2009 into 2010, that first year at the Home Depot Center? I mean, all that. You've been at all three spots now. Yeah, I've, been to, I've competed at all three. That was a big, um, big thing for me this year in Madison. It was really fun. Um, I'm like that old guy who sits on the front porch and is like, you know, you see a kid riding a scooter and you're like, well, when I was little, it was snowing and I had to walk with oh, flip flops yeah, yeah. both ways uphill. You know, that, that's me. Now, <laughs> wall balls in the uh, desert. Yeah, I mean that. You know, Aromas in 2009, and I can imagine it was similar in, in 07 and in 08. Was it was hot? There was no athlete area. You slept under the scoring table. You know, it was like this is the part that I miss the most. But obviously, the games as it is now, the professionalism of it cannot have this. If you go back and watch the 08, 09, 07 videos, the judges were your biggest fan. Like the judge, if you couldn't do something, the judge would start coaching. And because a lot of the judges were at that time, level one seminar staff. Um, and they were like cheering the athletes on. Like, that's the thing I probably missed the most. <laughs> but you, I, you, you could not have that. You know, it would be pure chaos. But your judge was your hype man. They'd be like, no rep. Hey, you should set your back a little bit more or get a false grip on the rings before you go, you know? Oh yeah. Nice job. Nice job. Rep. Um, so, you know, just um, the production of the event is a thousand times different. Mm. You know, Romus was cool and everyone was supportive and it was, but it was, you know, I mean, they ran to a, a solid schedule, but it was Dave standing on a chair announcing the cuts. It was, you just literally people camping out, hanging out all day. Like, Oh, hey, we're so-and-so athletes. Somebody would run into the crowd and grab them. You know, it was just, it was so different. Um, and that's got, that's my, probably one of my favorite things about CrossFit is it was, um, it's, it's a very successful community that I got to be an early adopter with. And that's fun because seeing it grow is so fulfilling. And I'll never forget this. Someone asked me once, I'll get back to the Southern Center question. Um, I was at a seminar and they said, hey, do you think it's bad that more people are finding out about CrossFit? That's an interesting question. Like, That's yeah, a really interesting like, question. Yeah, that was a good question. And I, and I said, well, do you think CrossFit's a good thing? He's like, yeah. A really good thing? He said, yep. I said, do you love it? He said, I love it. I said, well, then isn't it good that more people know about a really great thing you love? And he was like, because I get what he was getting at. He's like, is it getting watered down? Is it going to lose whatever, whatever? And I don't think that's happened. You know, I still think that the soul of CrossFit is still there. And, you know, like this StubHub Center was a good example of that. You know, the first couple of years of the StubHub Center, you had the Rogue team and Katie and Bill, you know, Henniger staying up all night with the judges team, sleeping on the tennis stadium floor to set up the rigs. Like, you know, and look at how cool that production step was. And if you, you still see that stuff happening. I think there were 600 volunteers at the games this year um so it's just like that kind of stuff is, is very very cool hmm. very very cool. um no thank you thank you for that james <laughs> um yeah we just had a few like sort of questions like this um so first of, one of the things I, like i said we we're i was a big conference guy i've read all his books i'm a big fan um what was it like training there at cfne with uh with ben bergeron for those of you guys that don't know i think a lot of people know that you were a two-time champion of crossfit mayhem 
I think fewer people would know that you are a one-time champion with CFNA. Am I correct? Yeah, and then we, uh, we one-time champ, then one-time second place. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what, what was that experience like? What was the old team experience like? What was it like training with, with Ben and all that in the old days? No, Stephanie was really cool. Um, again, I, you know, you asked me about what's the best training partner. The cool thing about Stephanie at that time is you had a lot of people who were talented and athletic and fit, and they were just really into it. They wanted to be as involved, excuse me, with CrossFit as they possibly could. Um, you know, I think one of the big upsides about that is you had at that time, you had, you had the Gorilla Fitness crew down in New Jersey. You had CJ Martin out at Invictus. And then you had, um, I mean, you had Adam, Adam Neifer up at CrossFit Fort Vancouver, you know, Justin Medeiros coach, mm -hmm. um, surprise, surprise. But, um, you know, th those were like the hubs, some, some gyms down in Atlanta and, and then in Texas. Um, but those were just like at CrossFit Central. Those were just like some hubs, you know, people who were like, hey, we're going to make this competitive CrossFit thing a thing. Um, so it was just really fortunate to be a part of something like that because there weren't a lot of people in the community at that time who were thinking about it that way. But then there were guys, you know, like, um, Jeremy Thiel, Kerry Kepler down in Texas. And like I said, CJ Martin out in Victus, Ben Burge on up in the Northeast who were kind of like, oh, well, we're going to, you know, and I, I thought Ben's attitude on this was, was always pretty astute. He said, he said, Hey, if I, if I was a running coach and I had a running club, we'd compete. I'd train people to compete in five days. Maybe some people train in a marathon. Maybe some people train for a 10K, but I would train them to compete. And he brought that attitude to, to CrossFit and CFNE, which was really cool. You know, he understood that not everyone was going to be a games athlete. But um, I think that was one of probably the, the most insightful things he brought to the community there, you know, was that, was that aspect of it. So, you know, that was, that was a cool time to be up there. And also, you know, it's like I was in my early 20s and – I was working part-time for seminar staff. So I had a job where I traveled on the weekends. That was CrossFit. I was going to school. So I was living a student life. And I was surrounded by, you know, a hundred other people like that. It was amazing. You know, like that is like, you go into the gym and, you know, the, work, the biggest thing you had to worry about is what workout are you going to do and what, what you're going to eat for lunch. Like it's all, it's like you're living in fantasy, you know, it's like fantasy land life. Um, so that was really cool at that time. Um, just just being kind of there there in that moment with with that crew and that's just fantastic. a lot of other like like-minded people yeah that's fantastic um that just brought the brought the question to mind um i think you might be the most authoritative person on the matter that could possibly ask this question to uh affiliate cup or super teams oh this is a, this is a highly debated topic on this podcast <laughs> Once again, we're just taking all of our podcasts, aggregating them into questions for you to settle for us, apparently. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. That's really cool. Um, I, like, I like Affiliate Cup because I don't like the goofy-ass names. I like oh. when it says CrossFit such and such or such and such CrossFit. Not I Central Beasts, sir. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't care about, you know, like wing ding strong blasters or whoever, you know, like get over it. Um, yeah, it just, it kills me, but I get it. They got to do it. And, um, <laughs> team one, team two, if I was naming <laughs> the teams, that's what it would be, man. Um, uh, I'm, I'm as vanilla as it gets, but um, yeah, so that's why I like the affiliate cup, the representation of the affiliate community. I love that at the games. 
here's what I would like to see. And um, because I have a very small amount of time in my life spent, uh, you know, not, what am I, hooking myself to that train of, of the mayhem empire. I like seeing champions. It's hard to be a repeat champion. I like seeing what they're laying down. That being said, the team competition would be much more exciting if there was a team who would challenge them. And I, I saw an article in the, I think Tommy Marquez, somebody wrote it the other day, maybe Brian Friend, probably Brian French. <laughs> I think it was, uh, I think it was Tommy. Um, and it was like, what does it take to beat mayhem? And it takes a team who trains together and treats it like a full-time job. I don't think any other team is doing that. And I think unless you can, there's got to be an affiliate out there with a bunch of 20 something year old studs, studettes who are ready to just rip it and, and not do anything but eat and live in the gym. But that's what it's going to take. So I know that's a fencing question. Um, I don't know. Right now, I really like that it's back to affiliate cup because I like I like the affiliate representation. But if the team competition is going to get more exciting very soon, Rich keeps saying he's getting old, but I'm like, I don't. He, he always seems like he's getting fitter. Um, <laughs> so I think if you want a more exciting team competition, you got to bring super teams back. Yeah, I, that's the thing. I think super teams was a better sport. I think it was a better model to have a watchable sport. Now, to your point, I think when you're talking about what is it going to take to beat Rich, I think what we're seeing in Rich Froning in the team competition is he's Babe Ruth or he's <laughs> he's Jim Brown. And by that, what I mean is before Babe Ruth, all professional baseball players were these barnstormers that worked for like a nickel a week. And like, you know, we're like it wasn't. The point I'm making is Babe Ruth professionalized baseball. He was the first baseball player that made more money than the president of the United States. Right. Jim, Jim stat. Brown. What's that? A good stat. <laughs> Jim, Jim Brown. Learned, I learned something. During when, you know, in the sixties, when he was playing, those guys were selling insurance and like coal miners in the off season. And then Jim Brown becomes the most valuable player in football. Now all of a sudden salary, it's, he professionalized that sport. Right. So I think what you're seeing with Rich is he's kicking the shit out of everybody because he is a professional CrossFitter. And if you want to compete with him, it's going to take you professionalizing your team. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, He's raising the bar of the sport. Yeah. And I think, I don't know, I don't have stats on this, but I imagine Mayhem's been beat, you know, at other competitions throughout the year. But again, I think it's just a reminder that like Mayhem trains for the games. They train all year for the games. And, you know, while you're at your job waiting to go to your team training, you know, they're training for the games. And I still just think you're seeing that. And, you know, talented groups. I, I, I just, I also, statistically, it's really hard to see dynasties. And I like that. You know, it's yeah. like, we've, who knows if we'll ever see this? Cross continues to grow. Who knows if we'll ever see this again? And that's exciting, right? So hmm. I'm curious if, um, like the, these these training camps that we've got, like it, like these are typically built for individual athletes at this point. But what happens when these individual athletes get a little older and maybe want to go to team? Are these training camps going to be geared towards more towards like some team team stuff, or is it just going to strictly be for individuals? And I think that's going to happen. If it, that, if that's it does start, happen. Yeah, but if it does start to gear that way, then I think we could see a little bit more parity in the team, the team side. Yeah, no, I, I think I think you're right on that one. Um, yeah, right now. Yeah, I like it. Right now, I'm an affiliate company. <laughs> the the um, hard thing about the training camp thing, though, is like it, I think it's easy. You know, you get confirmation bias. I think in the training camp, like again, we talked about if you're the top dog in your training camp, like you know all the workouts you're going to win at. You're going to back off those a little bit. You're not going to put the pedal to the metal because you know you got that one in the bag. 
the workouts, you know, you're going to lose at. maybe you push real hard, but it's still easy to fall back. I'm like, well, you know, so-and-so always wins those workouts. I think if you can, you know, do the training camp model and you can move around and kind of just go to a different, different, uh, different barn every once in a while, like that's kind of what you want to try and do. I think the people who train alone a lot blow my mind. Like that was something I could never do. Man, I couldn't, like, I couldn't do that for five minutes, let alone a full year for a f- yeah. eight hours. It's also never what I, it's, yeah, what I loved about CrossFit is it put you in a gym with people again, right? It was like, yeah. I didn't like going to the gym, like traditional gym, because, you know, you just hid in plain sight. You're surrounded by people. Everybody's got their headphones in. And I'm doing my own thing. It was so boring. But to be in a CrossFit gym, you're talking shit. You're worried about what the person's doing. You're getting coached. You're laughing. You're catching up with people. It's awesome. So that's that's interesting. You brought up the the affiliate cuff thing because we actually had that written down. Something we were curious about your insights on. I'm not the excuse me the training camp model. Uh, we were yeah. curious about your insights on the training camp model, and uh, you, I think you made your opinions of it known. Um, how did Rich do with it? How does what is going over the, on over there in Mayhem? That because like we brought that we've talked about before. Like exactly what you said. If I know I suck at toes to bar, my goal is to just be a being striking distance on dunk, right? Or I know I'm going to beat dunk on handstand pushups, so I don't have to go as hard, right? And maybe affects the, the training negatively. What goes on at May? How is Mayhem doing it differently? Or, or are they doing it differently? Dude, he's, right? he's slagging you on these, these gymnastics movements. <laughs> don't take that. Don't take that from him. Um, yeah, I, say no, I say nothing about toes to bar. I can't do it. I'm, I'm out. Handstand pushups. Yeah. That's a question. He's actually better than me at handstand pushups. Those were arbitrary <laughs> movements I brought up. There you go. Um, I, you know, I don't have any evidence on this. My my hunches, I have two hunches. One, when we were down, when I trained down there, we were, to put it lightly, obsessive about attacking things we sucked at. Um, That's you know, a like, skip itself. Yeah, and you know, honestly, because I was having this conversation with a couple of friends, because there are some games athletes I look at, and I'm like, God, these guys are outliers with some of their skills, but their weaknesses are so obviously their weaknesses. Mm. I'm like, is it just a thing that it's such a weakness they'll never get better at it, or that they did get better at it, but the games field is so elevated, it's like you don't notice that they're better at it, or is it that it's just so it's so hard, and this is what separates like great from good is it's so very few people have that ability to be like, I'm going to find out what I suck at and I'm going to suck at it for the next six months and do it over and over and keep analyzing how to do it better and attack it harder. It's like that tolerance I think is very uh, low in a lot of people to like, be like, Hey, I suck at this. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to start doing it. And you do it for two days and it, and you basically have two days of failure. And I think a lot of people don't have that tolerance to like consistently fail while making improvements. And stay happy through that process. So I think that's the reason. One of the things is I see saw down at Mayhem is that just was never a thing. Like, hey, if we suck at this, we're gonna do it. We're gonna find a million ways to do it, and we're gonna we're gonna you're just gonna you're gonna live with it. You are gonna live with it, man. And you're gonna stew in it every single day, and we're gonna do it until we get better at it. And if the way we're doing it doesn't work, we're gonna find a new way. I don't think a lot of people have that. Um, the other thing is there was always like a pretty cool influx of just new athletes coming down to visit. So it's like if I kind of, you know, start to unlock the code on how to beat one of the athletes I was training with or beat so-and-so on a movement, someone else would come down and beat you and you're like, back to square one, man. So I think those are a couple of things. I don't know if they're necessarily tangible. But those are two big things. Like I've always felt 
that I started to see in some, you know, and you see that when like, you know, Matt Fraser would come down and visit and train before he moved down there the first time, or you'd bump into, you know, some other athlete. That was the stuff I saw in them. They were like, Oh, I have a weakness. Cool. I'm going to go do that a lot. You know, I'm going to get better at that. Oh, I found another weakness. Great. Where most people are like, I see this a lot on the team side, you know, everybody on the team is like, Oh yeah, yeah. So-and-so has got muscle ups. And I'm like, you've seen her do a muscle up. They're like, no, no, she's got him. Or he, yeah, he, he's got handstand walks. He's got rope climbs. And at the games, they're the semifinals. They, they go to shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, I haven't been training. Because it's scary. It's, it's scary to do what you're bad at, man, like, especially in front of your friends. So um, I don't think Mayhem has that. Hmm. Well, I, mean, I think they developed that culture over the years. Yeah. So. Well, James, um, I want to make sure we're respectful of your time uh, because you were yeah. extremely generous yeah. to us in giving it. So. You um, just lost a hundred listeners, man. I could, I could talk, I could talk forever. So I uh, that's, that's unfortunately that's the problem is we could listen to you talk forever. I could this conversation you could go full Rogan and be three and a half hours long. But uh, <laughs> that's unfortunately, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm 35, so I'm getting close to a pee break. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to make sure um, that you have the opportunity to make sure you put anything out there that you want to put out, plug anything you want to plug, um, and we'll allow you to continue on with your life. So. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, back to the, back to the start of it all, um, cap, anybody out there listening, uh, affiliate owners interested, you know, even just to get on, get on it, it's free till the end of the year and just give us feedback, you know, greedily. I'll say, I want your feedback. It's taught, taught us a lot as we've gone through this process. And I think it's going to allow us to continually make something great. So head over to CrossFit, click the affiliate programming link, um, you know, sign up, it's free till the end of the year, give us your feedback, you know, good, bad, or ugly, as long as it's not vulgar. I'd love to hear it. Uh, other than that, um, thank you guys. Um, thank you guys for, for having me on. Really appreciate This is it. a lot of fun, James. Thank you so much. Can you hang on for like two minutes before we, uh, before we end things? Yeah. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah.